Well, good morning, Providence. My name is Ryan Epley, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and it's my privilege to get to serve you and open up God's Word with you this morning. And we've been going through this series that all may worship and looking at each aspect of our lives and um, each areas of influence and how we worship God in those areas. And what I love about that is what we're doing is we're showing how practical God's Word is. It's a dated book. It's an old book, but it is very practical for today. Though it's dated, it's not outdated. Um, God's word speaks to us today. And so uh, we're gonna be in the book of Proverbs. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 27. Uh, if you don't have a copy of God's word this morning, there should be one in one of the racks underneath the chair in front of you. And we'll be on page 548 in that Bible. Uh, page 548, Proverbs uh, chapter 27. And in this series of That All May Worship, uh, we've looked at a number of topics. Last week, we looked at marriage and how we want to honor and glorify and worship God in our marriages. Uh, next week, we're going to look at family and parenting and how we worship God in that area. And kind of sandwiched in between those two is a love that we rarely talk about. It's a, it's a love that's a lot of times overlooked or kind of pushed to the side of the plate, but it's the love of friendship. It's one we don't talk about. We honestly, we look at friendship as kind of like it's the vegetables of the dinner. You know, it's kind of, let's push to the side and maybe we'll get there, but there's these more organic loves of romantic love and familial love. And those are really the ones that are gonna fulfill us. But the sad thing is we as a culture are starving for friendship. We're starving for it. We have more connection now than we ever had before with social media and the internet. And yet with all of this connection, we find friendship and community lacking. We have 600 friends on Facebook and we have 500 followers and yet we have no true relationships. And it's because our culture doesn't talk about it. It gets lost in the shuffle of everything else. I mean, just think about it. When's the last time you read a book or you watched a movie that centered, that was solely about friendship? We just don't talk about it. There's nothing about friendship that quickens the pulse or heightens our senses. And so it kind of goes by the wayside. And if we try to take all of the books that were, were written on familial love or romantic love, we could probably fill out this whole building or this whole room with books and movies on romantic love or family but we would struggle to fill the stage with books that are written specifically on friendship. Not just that touch it, but that are specifically about friendship. So in life's banquet, friendship gets pushed to the side. But in the word of God, God lifts high friendship. Not as a lesser love, but honestly, a greater love in some ways. And the book of Proverbs says a lot about friendship. We're only gonna look at a sliver of it today, but here's the overall statement that, or synopsis that Proverbs would say about friendship. That fools perish due to a lack of friends or fools perish because they have poorly chosen friends. We perish due to a lack of friends or we perish due to poorly choosing them. So look at Proverbs chapter 27, starting in verse five. The word of the Lord says this. 
Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to the one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from his nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who's far away. Let's pray. Take a moment right now in this silence just to pray that God would speak to you through his word this morning. And pray for me that I would open up these wonderful things to our eyes and Lord, that we would see and believe. Father God, thank you that you're not silent. You're not a distant God who only cares about transcendent things. But Lord, you are a very personal and intimate God. The one who says that if you believe in me, I would call you friends. So God, thank you for that. And I pray as we unfold your word this morning that you would give us great clarity in what friendship is and Lord, how you designed it to function. Give us wisdom into that, Lord, and help us to look to you for the fulfillment of that. It's in Christ's name that I pray, amen. So what I wanna do with the time we have is I just wanna walk through first, what is friendship? And then second, what are the qualities that God's word says makes a friend? So what is friendship? And we gotta start there because we talk about friendship and it's really watered down today. It's really diluted, right? Because we'll talk about people being our friends just because we work with them. Or we have 600 friends on Facebook when we know only a handful of them. It's really diluted. It doesn't mean what it used to mean. Friendship is these things where we can connect with one another, but it's much, much bigger than these things. Friendships is not just acquaintances, not just knowing people's names. There's a greater depth and a weight to friendship. C.S. Lewis wrote a lot on this. And in his book, The Four Loves, he talks about what friendship is. And he says that friendship is really when two or more people get together and they're seeing a common vision and they stand shoulder to shoulder marching towards that common vision. They stand shoulder to shoulder and they look at that common vision and they're like, that's where we're going. And they talk about that vision and they're excited about that vision. Those are the things that they're passionate about, which is really the contrast of romantic relationship love, right? Because in your romantic relationships and your marriage, you really talk about your marriage a lot and you really talk about each other a lot. And it's, instead of being more shoulder to shoulder, it's really more face to face and how are you doing? How am I doing? And you talk about your relationship a lot. But not in friendship, like, very rarely do you sit down with your friend and just talk about your relationship with friends. Like, man, we're just so such great friends. You, you don't do that. What do you talk about? You talk about the things that you're passionate about, the things that you love. And so friendship is really standing shoulder to shoulder and looking at a common goal and a common passion and running forward to that. And this is what makes Christianity and what makes the church so unique 
when it comes to friendship. Because our friendship isn't solely based upon hobbies or age or race. It's not based upon those things. It's based upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that makes it an eternal friendship. Because we've lived life long enough to know that when you build your relationship on a hobby or finances or shopping or whatever it may be, that your friendships will slide based upon your ability to be able to do that stuff. Like the other day, I sneezed and I threw my back out. And I'm like, my goodness, I can't even hang out with my friends that are going to play golf and going to do these things because my, my body's breaking down. Like, and so if, you're, if your relationship and your friendship is built upon these hobbies, they will eventually end. But that's what's so beautiful about the church is our, our relationships and our friendship are based on something much deeper. It's based upon the gospel, which breaks down the barriers and the walls of race. And it breaks down the barriers and walls of marital status. And it breaks down the barriers and the walls of financial status. So it doesn't matter if you're healthy or you're unhealthy. You still are running together with people that are trusting and believing in Jesus Christ. And looking to further the mission that all may worship Jesus Christ. And that's why in our community, or in our life groups here on Sunday mornings, it's, we got the tagline, community on mission community on mission. We want you to be a part of a friendship and a community, but if that's the end in itself, then it will one day die. But if we're building our life groups around community that's built upon furthering the mission of Jesus Christ, then it's eternal friendship. Your hobbies can be a part of your friendship, but though as they come and go, the foundation of Jesus Christ and his lordship stands forever. And that's a beautiful picture of what friendship is. And it's completely different than anything we see that the world has to offer. So friendship is standing shoulder to shoulder towards a common goal. But God's word clearly gives us the design of this friendship. What should it look like? What are the qualities? What are the components of this? And this is where Proverbs 27 really helps us here. It gives us three qualities of a genuine friend. The three qualities of a genuine friend is truth, trust, and faithfulness. Truth, trust, and faithfulness. And as we walk through Proverbs 27, it's gonna unpack these truths, these qualities. So the first is this, the truth aspect. A genuine friend gives truth even when it hurts. Find this in verses five and six. Starts and it says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. This just seems odd. Open rebuke, nobody likes to be rebuked, right? (laughs) This is a direct word of correction. But the word of God says that a a word of correction is better than this hidden love of, I don't really want to tell them, I don't want to really correct them because then it might really hurt their feelings. The word of God says it's actually better that you go and correct them so they don't live in this false reality or continue to live in this flaws. And honestly, hidden love is useless, right? If you love someone, but you never talk to them or you never tell them, then what's the point of it? It has no point. And that's the point that Proverbs is making right here. It's better to have open rebuke in love than hidden love that never speaks a word. Verses six and seven, unpack it in a nuance that's a little bit different, but really powerful. In verse six, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
mean, if we were to take this sentence and we were to write it, we'd probably switch these two words, right? We'd say, faithful are the kisses of a friend, but profuse or deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I wanna look at the second half of this one first. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What is this talking about? What is this saying? What it's saying here is that somebody who only uses flattering words to build you up and is always kissing your face but then never speaking truth to you, talking behind your back, they're ultimately an enemy. Because what they wanna do is they wanna lift you up with flattery to get their own way. Trying to lift you up with flattery to get their own way. That person's not a friend. God says that's not the one who is truly a friend. And we see the picture of this culminated in the life of Jesus. Think about Judas. He was a follower of Jesus. He knew Jesus. He knew his name. He knew his friends. Jesus would have said, Judas, he's one of my disciples. And yet, towards the end of Jesus' life, Judas comes up and betrays Jesus with a kiss. A kiss. That is what an enemy does. That's not what a friend does. Builds you up to get his own way instead of to correct you in love and in truth. Now let's look back at the first part of verse six. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. This is so odd because nobody likes to experience pain. Nobody wants to be wounded. But when a friend wounds you, you know they do it in love. Not to just try to deal pain out to you, but to correct you and to help you. So there's faithfulness in that. The wounds of a friend can be trusted because they're done in love. They're not done in selfishness. They're done done esteeming you better than yourself. So that's what real friendship does. That's what genuine friendship does. My point is that genuine, my point, this one is that genuine friends give truth even when it hurts. None of us desire to do this, but this is God's design for friendship. This is God's design. And we need it. We long for it but we struggle with it. Imagine if you went to the doctor and he tells you, after you've had a physical, he's checked you over, the doctor looks at you and says, you are an incredible human being. Your body is amazing. You're so healthy. You really look like this Olympian here. You look like this, I mean, this is your body. And you're looking, you're getting really excited and really passionate. Like, I am super healthy. I know I've been eating a lot of donuts, but like, if he says I look like this guy, then it must be true. And you go home and you're feeling good about yourself. And then you're, as you get to your house, you're walking up the steps and your, your heart gives out on you and you fall down. And then the, the ambulance comes and they tell you, man, you were one jelly donut away, to, away from seeing Jesus face to face. Like that's how close you were. And you think, you know, like, wait a second, I just went to the doctor and they told me I looked like this. And so you go back to the doctor and you're like, hey doc, you told me I look like this. What do you, why in the world did you tell me I look like that when really my heart was about to give out? And the doctor responds and says, well, I didn't want to offend you. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. But in reality, your physical came back and you more look like this guy. But I just didn't want to hurt your feelings. I wanted you to come back and I wanted you to be my friend. I wanted this to be a safe place for you. 
And what's so interesting about this is when something really matters to us, we don't want an illusionary comfort based upon pain avoidance. We want the truth so that we can fix it. That's what a true friend does. He speaks truth so you can fix the issues and the problems in your heart and your life. We're so blind to the sin in our own hearts, we need somebody else to speak that truth to us, to call us out on it, so that we can fix these errors instead of living in this false illusion that we're perfect. But when something truly matters, we need the truth. We want the truth. But the reason why we ultimately don't tell the truth to our friends is because we ultimately care more about ourselves than them. What I mean by that is we care about our own comfort. We don't want to have that awkward conversation where you have to bring up that tough truth because then it's going to make things weird, right? We don't want to have that hard conversation because we don't know how they're going to respond to it. How, how are they going to respond to it? And so we care more about ourselves and our own comfort than we do about being a good friend and revealing the truth they need to hear. Look in the same chapter, Proverbs 27, down at verse 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I've heard a lot of people quote this, but do we think about this? This is not a gentle process. <laughs> iron sharpening iron is not gentle. This is difficult. This is hard. But what it does is it sharpens both people. And this is the kind of friendship that God is calling us to form. This is his design. Even from the garden, it was not good for us to be alone. We needed one another to sharpen each other, to be the men and women that God has called for us to be because we are spiritually blind. We can't see our own sin and our own depravity many times. And unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, unless we have friends that speak the truth in love, we will never change. We'll never change. So a genuine friend speaks truth even when it's hard. The second thing is a genuine friend trusts even though it's difficult. Look again at verse nine. It says, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Now what I love about verse nine is it's telling you why friendship is so great. It says the sweetness of a friend. Why is friendship so incredible? It's gonna tell you. Because of its earnest counsel. Well, great. What does that mean? (laughs) Earnest counsel. Well, the word earnest means from the heart. It's genuine. It's sincere. Genuine and sincerity is, is a part of this. But also counsel. This is something that they would use to talk about from the heart, somebody you could confide in. So earnestness is from the heart. Counsel is secrets. So you've got these secret topics from the heart. So what is it saying there? What makes a friendship great? Let me just boil it all down. What makes a friendship great is this, that you can be yourself in front of that person, that you can share your, your secrets from the heart. You can be who you are and not have to worry about what they think. Are they gonna judge me? I don't know. Are they really my friend? I don't know. Can I say this? Or are they gonna be mad at me? I don't know. 
a genuine friend is somebody that you can be yourself around and trust and be open, but also they're open in front of you. That's what real friendship looks like. And this takes vulnerability. This is hard. This is not easy. I know that. But that's what makes a friendship sweet. Because you know if you speak something that's stupid or wrong, that they're gonna go back to point one and be like, well, I've gotta speak this truth in love because that was wrong. And that's how you know it's a genuine friend. But we don't, we hide behind our own pride. And many of us don't have friends because we struggle to be open with anybody. Because we're scared of judgment. We're scared we're not gonna be liked. We're scared of rejection. So maybe we're, we're honest with people, but we We can't really trust people, so we never really open up in front of people. Uh, Last year, Kobe Bryant did an interview with uh, GQ magazine. And in this interview, there was a section, it's really interesting, I'm gonna read just a portion of it to you, where he talked about friendship. And the interviewer had heard him say before he didn't really have a lot of friends. And so he brought this question up and he asked Kobe Bryant, the NBA star, he said, are you actively choosing not to have friends? And Kobe responded and said, well, Yes and no. He said, I have friends, but being a great friend is something that I'll never be. I can be a good friend, but not a great friend. A great friend is somebody that you can call every day and who remembers your birthday. He said, I'm so wrapped up in my own stuff, I'll never remember that. The kind of relationships you see in movies, that's impossible for me. He says, I text some people um, that are in the NBA, and I would say that they're friends. But in terms of having one of those great bonding friendship, that's something I will probably never have. Listen to this part, and this is his words. And it's not some smug thing. It's a weakness. It's a weakness. And the interviewer asked, her, asked him, do you miss the idea of having great friendship? And Kobe responded and said, of course I do. I'm not saying I don't need friends because I'm so strong or independent. It's a weakness. He realizes that not having a friend is a weakness. I don't know his situation well enough to know if it's pride, but I'm willing to bet it is. It's the pride of even even esteeming ourselves so highly we don't have time for other people. And it's a lie we tell ourselves that we don't have time for those friends. We'll never build real relationships like that. That's just a dream. That's not reality. That's a lie that we speak. It's not truth. The pride of our hearts and our lives will crush friendship. We have to lay it down and esteem others as more important than ourselves. This is gonna take time. This is gonna take effort. That's one of the things with both these points of speaking truth, even when it hurts, and trusting somebody, it takes time. And one of the greatest enemies of friendship is impatience. Impatience. Where we want a friendship, and we want a friendship now. Some of you guys have visited life groups at times, And you've gone one week or two weeks and you're like, I just didn't find any friends because in your mind, what you're hoping is the first time you're in there, you meet your best friend and your friends forever, right? It's a song, friends are friends forever. You know, like that's that's what we start to think. I just, I hope it'll be that quick. 
Or maybe some of you guys came into church today for the very first time and you were hoping that this morning would be the morning that you would meet somebody that would be friends with you forever. It takes time. It takes patience to build friends. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, if you start speaking truth to people that you haven't built a relationship with yet, you're not gonna have any friends. It's just not gonna happen. And if you just walk up to somebody and you just pour out your whole life, like you've met them for five minutes and you're like, yeah, yeah, this terrible thing happened to me in the past and I can't believe it, my whole life's ruined. Like you're not gonna build friends that way. Both of these are gonna be built upon time. So don't, don't rush. Be faithful and be consistent. It might take more than a week or two or even a month. These things, these genuine friendships are going to take a lot of time to be built. The fruit of friendship is only ripened after you've spent summers and winters and summers and winters with people. Walking through tragedies and pains and joys and knowing their life and knowing their passion that's when genuine friendship starts to be rooted. But the sin of pride will crush all of that and the sin of impatience will crush that. But a genuine friend is one that shares the truth when it hurts. A genuine friend trusts and is open. The third thing is a genuine friend is faithful at all times. We see this in verse 10. A genuine friend is faithful at all times. Verse 10 says, forsake not your friend and your father's friend. Forsake not your friend or your father's friend. This call, this command to not forsake here is pointed at two things, faithfulness and availability. Faithfulness and availability. You've all heard, well, that person over there, that person is a fair weather friend. Then they're not really your friend. We're diluting friendship again because if they're gonna leave you as soon as you hit hard times or struggles, they only wanna be there for the good times. That's not your friend. We've all experienced that where we feel like we've been betrayed. I thought that person really loved me. I thought they were really close, but then they forsook me. That's not a real friend because a real friend sticks beside you even when it's difficult. And you gotta be available You gotta be there when they need you. And it's not always convenient for you when they need you. But a real friend is there through thick and thin. Proverbs 17, 17 says it like this. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. What is that saying right there? Saying that a friend loves you all the time because they chose you. A brother's there for adversity, but they're not really your friend all the time. You guys know those family members where like, I I stay close with them and I support them because I have to, but that's not necessarily the person I wanna go hang out with. That's not really the person I wanna go do vacation with. Like getting through Thanksgiving and Christmas are hard enough, but they're my brother, they're my sister, they're my family. And so I stick with them. What this proverb is saying here is, A friend, they chose you, so they're with you for the long haul. They they should love you at all times because they have chosen you. You've chosen them. And that's why this passage says, you know, don't go to a brother when you're in need. Go to your neighbor. Go to your friend next door. He's near. He's willing to help you. That's God's design, that we would 
be faithful to one another, we'd be consistent with one another, that we'd be faithful and available. But what's hard about this is it costs time and effort to be this kind of friend. It costs time and effort to be a genuine friend. I believe that's why we love social media so much. Because it makes us feel like we have friends, but it's, it's really clean. It's really fine. Where I do it on my time, I can hop on and look at my friends and see their updates, but I don't have to talk to them unless I want to talk to them. I don't have to be available unless I want to be available, and I don't have to be faithful. If there's a problem, I can just block them. Or if I see they're struggling with things in life, I can just kind of take a step back, and they don't even know. Social media friendship, it's clean. And real friendship is messy. Now, I'm not slamming social media because there's a lot of great things that, that you can do with it. Friends that have moved away that now you want to keep up with, you can hear about their lives. But let's be honest, when you have that, that stretch of space, your friendship starts to slide. And a genuine friend is one that's going to be faithful and available at all times. And because genuine friendship costs time and effort, we can only have so many genuine friends. Some of you extroverts out there are thinking, I want to have 25, 30 deep friendships. You don't have time. You don't have time. You have to choose your friends wisely. Now, Jesus calls us to be friendly to all. That doesn't mean we exclude people. But the reality is we only have so much time to be open and honest with people, to speak truth with people, to be faithful and hold up our end of the friendship. And we need to know that. We need to grasp that. Because the reality of friendship is it has to be grounded first before it's going to vault itself over the moon. It's got to be grounded. It's got to be grounded in these qualities. But these qualities aren't easy to live by. So I challenge you to enter into friendship with the roughest of courage. The roughest of courage. Now I could end my message here and just say, go and do likewise. Like go and be a good friend and do all these things. But it would be insufficient. It wouldn't be enough. Because as I studied and I prepared for this, I walked away with with two um, emotions in my heart. One emotion is a longing. I read about these friendships um, in Proverbs and I I long for that friendship. I I want somebody that I can be open and honest with, that I can be myself around. I want somebody that's gonna be faithful day in and day out and I long for that. But the reality is because life is so busy and people move so often, it's hard to have friends like this. So many of us have just given up on friendship. I'll just stick with my family and I'll just stick with my marriage and that'll be enough because it takes so long to build friendship and then people are up and gone that we don't even try anymore. So there's this longing in our heart for the friends that this passage talks about. But the second part of this passage that I, that, um, I think about and the second emotion that I feel is despair. Because in reality, in order to have friends like this, you have to be a friend like this. And as I think about my own life, I realize that I am not living out these qualities perfectly. 
I have sin and selfishness in my own heart that keeps me from building friendship like this. So if I end where I, where, with the first part of this, it leaves us in these two areas of despair and longing. But I want to end in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. This talks about the greatest love that we will ever know. Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verse 13. He says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus speaking says to his disciples and to us, you are my friends if you do what I have commanded you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Jesus says no greater love than this. The greatest love we find will not be in marriage or in our family or in an earthly friendship. The greatest love we will ever know is found in Jesus Christ, the one who laid down his life for you and I so that we could move from being enemies of God to being friends of God. And that is an amazing picture. We can sit here today and know that earthly friendships do take time and effort, but that Christ has already put in the time and effort that immediately today, if you submit to him as Lord, that you could have a friendship for all eternity with the creator of all things. And this is the pinnacle of friendship. This is what we look to when we aspire to have friends. And there's hope in this in our despair because even if nobody else is our friend and everybody else forsakes us, Jesus says, those that love me and follow my commandments, I will never leave them nor forsake them. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of all these things mentioned in Proverbs. He is the one that loves you so much, was was willing to speak truth to your life, where he calls us sinners in need of a savior. And he was so personal that he left his throne and he came down to earth so you could see him and touch him and feel him and know who the God of heaven and earth is. And to save us, that is the king in whom we worship. And he revealed himself to us. And he is always faithful, even when we are faithless to him. This is the beautiful friendship that we have. So as our elders and deacons come um, to the Lord's Supper today, I want you to know that the Lord's Supper, what we celebrate is a really remembrance of what happens here in John 15, where Jesus says, no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The Lord's Supper is a time that we remember how Christ laid down his life for us at the cross. And we celebrate that. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as friend, you've never trusted him, maybe you're struggling with doubts right now. Did he really do this? Is he really my friend? I don't know where I stand before Christ today then we ask that you would just let this cup and bread pass by you. Don't take it. Because this is for people that know Jesus as friend and are proclaiming that he died to build this bridge that we could be a friend of Christ. So as we go to the table to take the Lord's Supper, we wanna pray. So Ross, would you pray for us?